Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. I'm Pastor Tuck and welcome to the word at my church. And if this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people, because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. By hearing its word and applying it by faith, it'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus name. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the moments of preaching. Father, we thank you, Father God, Lord, for every insight, foresight, revelation, Father God, Lord, that you pour out from heaven. And Lord, we come today, Lord, to receive, Father God, Lord, all that you made available. Father, Lord, we trust you, Lord, for transformation today. Father, we trust you, Lord, that, Lord, anytime we can see, hear, and understand, we can be changed and converted, Father God, into that which we see, hear, and understand. So open the eyes, Lord, Father God of our, and our ears and our hearts, Father God, Lord, that we may see, hear, and understand, Father God, all those things, Lord, that you make available to us. Father God, make our hearts receptive. Father God, our ears alert. Father God, our eyes attentive. Father God, Lord, that we may, Lord, get only, Lord, that which you make available. Lord, move me aside. Take my place. Speak to your people. Father God, Lord, I declare, Lord, that your word goes forth unhindered, unchecked by, Lord, any technical difficulty. Father God, Lord, any demon, Father God, Lord, any scheme of the enemy. Father God, Lord, that pure revelation, Father God, Lord, that changes the lives of your people. Father God, use me as your tool, Father God, as your vessel, how you so desire. Lord, we bind every contrary spirit, every demonic force, and we thank you today, Father God, Lord, for all that you've already done for us. Father God, Lord, and that we shall, Lord, return the favor, Lord, by doing, Lord, that which you've set in purpose for us to do. And we thank you, Lord, for it all. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Open your Bibles with me once again to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And when you get there, look at verse 25. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 25. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 25. Here it says, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Here the proverb writer tells us to pay attention to the instructions that we've been given with intense focus and to be careful not to get distracted. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that 2024 is the year of fixed purpose, so we cannot afford to get distracted. See, it's more important than ever for us to be intensely focused on our assignment, that we're locked in on our purpose. Because I told you our purpose is to represent God. He has chosen us to be his change agents in the earth. And our job as believers as ambassadors for Christ is to be salt and light to change the flavor of the environment, wherever we go to influence those we come in contact with. But when you look at the world, the things appear to be getting worse. We see believers behaving like non-believers and no one seems to have any regard for God or his church because the church has become more like the world. And Paul warns us about this in his letter to Timothy. He says that there would be perilous times in these last days. He said men would be lovers of themselves. He said they'd be blasphemers, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, 
without self-control. He said they be despisers of good, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He said having a form of godliness, but denying its power. But Apostle Tony declared that God is changing the countenance of the church. Now, that word countenance is the external appearance that expresses the entire contents of a body. It's how the face shows what's truly in the heart. It's the outward representation of an inward manifestation. He said God and God will do so by showing us his goodness. See, over time, we have been given a false impression of who God is. And it has, infect, it has affected our countenance. See, Satan would have us believe that God is some kind of ogre who wants to punish us and send us to hell for just breathing wrong. And that's how he continues to distract us by giving us a false impression of who God is. And because we as believers don't know who he is, we don't know who we are. So we can't properly represent him. We can't properly fulfill our purpose, but God's going to change the countenance of the church by showing us his goodness. And this will be a good season, a makeup season, a season of breakthrough. And we will be equipped with new keys to the kingdom, supernatural kindness, goodness on a different dimension than we've ever seen. And as a result of that, we will shine brighter than ever before. Or somebody type amen in the comments. See, because once we truly see who he is, we'll realize who we really are. And that's what it means to be redeemed to be reconciled as a matter of fact, go over to second Corinthians chapter five, second Corinthians chapter five. And when you get there, look at verse 17, second Corinthians chapter five, beginning at verse 17. Here is reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. See here, Paul tells us that if we've been born again, then everything about us should look like God. Our marriages should look like God. Our children should look like God. Our businesses should look like God. Our relationships should look like God. And the assignment he has given us, which is to represent him. See, in order to embrace the ministry of reconciliation, it requires a revelation of reconciliation. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is that all right? A revelation of reconciliation. See, the mirror Bible says this. God brought final closure for us to see everything and everyone in this new light. To see, simply see what God has always known to be true about us in Christ exactly what God believes. See, that's simply our purpose. That's what that's that, that's that's the reason why we live. To see everything and everyone in a new light, to simply see what God has always known to be true about us in Christ. Exactly what God believes. Remember even the Lord's prayer says my will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we're supposed to see everything and everyone the same way that God does. Since in Christ, 
God exchanged equivalent value to redeem us to himself. He went to the highest extreme in this act of reconciliation to persuade us of our original worth. See, that, that, that word reconciliation means a mutual exchange of equivalent value. I, I told you, contrary to popular opinion, that transaction was not to buy us back from the devil because the thief never becomes an owner. He only deceived us into accepting a false identity. So reconciliation is the act of God redeeming our minds from the lies that we believed about ourselves. And it is the revelation of the value of the treasure hidden inside of us that enables us to walk out our purpose. Watch this. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Oh, I'm telling you, when once we get this revelation, it's going to change how we start to operate as the church. Deuteronomy 32, beginning at verse 18. Here he says, you were unmindful of the rock that begot you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. See, the problem is we got distracted. We forgot who our creator was. And in the process, we lost our identity. Oh, what do you mean, pastor? Well, if you recall, the first thing Satan said to Eve in the garden was, did God say? He tried to get her to question God's word. And he's been doing the same thing to us ever since. Oh, what do you mean, pastor? See, if I stand up and tell you, God will supply your every need according to his riches and glory. The first thing you hear in your mind is, hmm, how God going to supply your stuff? Many bills as you got. You don't even have no job. See, the first thing he says, did God really say that? Oh, let me, let, let me help you. The Bible tells us, give and it shall be given unto you. The first thing you hear is, oh, they just want your money. He tells you, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. That's what the word says. Pastor didn't make it up. But when we say those things to you, the first thing the enemy tries to do is to get you to question God's word. And see, the reason why he did that to Eve, the reason why he's been doing it to you is because if he can get her to question God's word, then he can destroy her identity. Uh, how do you figure that, Pastor? See, the Bible says we were born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So once she questions his word, she loses her identity. See, when the enemy can get you to question the word, it's like destroying your birth certificate. It's like invalidating your birth certificate. See, what if they came and told you that the hospital that you were born in and issued your birth certificate, during that time, there was somebody working in the birth records that was corrupt and that they were just switching baby records for the fun of it. And so all kinds of things were going on that they were just randomly changing out baby names and baby tags and that they're finding out that all of these different families had the wrong, took the wrong babies home. All of a sudden he gets you to question the word that has established your identity. Now all of a sudden you're going, I knew I'd never fit in with my family. 
All of a sudden, you're going, uh, I knew I was the only one who didn't like collard greens, who didn't like soul food. I, I, I knew I was lighter than everybody else. So all of a sudden you begin to question your identity. He destroys your identity. And see, it's the same thing in the word of God. If he can get you to question the very source of your birth, the very origin of your existence, he can destroy your identity. See, once he gets her to question God's word, she loses her identity. Then he tries to convince her that God did not want her to have what she had already been given in order to distort God's image so that she would have no point of reference to restore her identity. Oh, I pray y'all caught that. See, since we were born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, if he can get us to question God's word, it destroys our identity because we no longer believe what God says about us. See, I don't care how anointed your pastor is, what degrees you obtain, how many people compliment you. You'll constantly struggle because absent of the word of God, you'll have no clue who you are because it is the word of God that establishes your identity. It's the only one, the only thing that can tell you who you are. And then he attacks God's character. He'll tell you God doesn't want you to have what he's already given you. He'll even cause calamity and use people to attack you to get you to blame God in order to distort his image. See, because he knows since we were created in God's image, if he can cloud the mirror, if he can make God look like a bad guy, then your only point of reference is a bad guy. So you'll never think that you're anything but bad. Oh, I need y'all to see it. See if he can cloud the mirror, keep us from seeing who God really is. See if he can make you think that there are things in your life that God can't do, he'll make you think that there are things that you are never, you're, un, you're not capable of. If he can cloud the mirror and keep you from seeing who God really is, you'll have no point of reference to restore your identity. See, it's like if a person has amnesia, but when they came into the hospital with amnesia, they had their wallet with their driver's license, with their picture on it. And you wanted them to stay that way because, you know, they say, you know, certain things will jog your memory. And, you know, that's the point of reference for them to get back to. And you destroy their identification because you never wanted them to know what they look like. You never wanted them to see their name. And then you destroyed all the mirrors around them and replaced them with funhouse mirrors. So they never could get a valid image of who they really were. They would never be able to restore themselves to their rightful place. They would never know who they really are. Oh, I'm trying to help you. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. See, you'd be walking around thinking that you got a skinny neck and a big old head or you're, that you're short and squashed together like those funhouse mirrors because see, everything about you would be distorted and that's what's wrong with so many believers. We're walking around with a distorted image of who we are because we have a distorted image of who God is. Because the enemy has clouded the mirror. He first destroyed our identity. And then when we go to look in the mirror, he's distorted the mirror. So we have no reference point to get back to our original identity. First Corinthians chapter 13. Beginning at verse 12. I'm reading this from the living, the new living translation. Here it says, Paul puts it this way. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. See, when Satan distracted Eve, man fell. So he thought he won. And he never revised his plan. So he's continued to do the same thing with mankind since the beginning. But the problem is, like many of us, he underestimated our value. 
Uh, what do you mean, pastor? He never considered that God would go to the highest extreme through the act of reconciliation to restore our identity and persuade us of our original worth. He never thought that in Christ, God would exchange equivalent value to restore us to himself. See, prior to being reconciled, we may see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror, but Paul says, then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. He says, because we have a false impression of who God is, it skews how we see ourselves and the world around us. We don't fully understand who we are or what we're capable of. But when we truly get a revelation of our reconciliation, once we recognize that Jesus came to introduce us to ourselves again so that we may know who we are, just as we have always been known, everything will become clear. We'll begin to see ourselves as God sees us and walk in our true purpose, which is to glorify God. Watch this. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, I pray this is blessing somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. And I'm reading this from the New King James Version. Here he says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. See, the more we look into the mirror of the glory of the Lord, see, the word is the mirror. And we know that the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became manifest and dwelt among us. So, we know that the word is the mirror. We know that Jesus is a mirror. And the more that we don't cover our face and look directly into the mirror, we will be transformed to look just like the glory that we see by the spirit of the Lord. See what the Holy Spirit does when you don't hide your face from what you see in the word, the spirit of God will transform you so that you once again look like what you see in the word, because that's who you really were. Oh, watch this. What happens when you veil your face, when you hide your face, you're covering your eyes because you don't want to see what's in front of you. See, that's what happens when we look into the word with a veiled face. We're like, I, I, I don't really want to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. That's not me. Like that doesn't apply. Uh, I don't want to see that. But he says with unveiled face, when we look into the mirror of the glory of God, when we look directly upon the word, when we look at it, we say, oh, no, that's me. So we don't try to make excuses for the word that we don't like, the word we don't want, the stuff that we don't want to apply to ourselves. But when we look and take it all in, we are transformed into the same glory. That's how the word changes us. That's how it sanctifies us. That's how, that's how it conforms us. That's how we are conformed into the image of his dear son. The way we were predestined from the beginning. The mirror Bible says it this way. Now we all with new understanding, see ourselves in him as in a mirror. See, when we no longer try to not receive, but instead with new understanding, see ourselves in him. See, when we cover our eyes, when we cover our face, we're, we're, we're saying, I don't want to receive what I see in him. We try to separate ourselves from what we're seeing. 
See, we look at that. Oh, yeah, but that was Jesus. No. We see ourselves in him. We say, no, as in a mirror. We say, no, that's Jesus. That's me. He says, when we all with new understanding, see ourselves in him as in a mirror. He says, the days of window shopping are over. Oh, I need y'all to catch that. He said, the days of window shopping are over. The days of just looking and saying, oh, wow, that's amazing. I wish that I wish I could. Oh, wow, that would be nice. Oh, he said, all of that is over. He said, because in him, every face is unveiled. He said, because in him, I don't have to separate myself from what I see. Because I'm a part of it. The word applies to me. Everything he does, I can do. He says, see, I don't have to look at it and say, oh, that would be nice. No, no, I, I don't have to live like that any longer. He said, in gazing with wonder at the likeness of Elohim, the most high God displayed in human form. He says, see, watch this. He says, I'm gazing with wonder at the likeness of the most high God displayed in human form. See, by looking at Jesus, we see the most high God displayed in human form. See, we've always gazed with wonder. At the likeness of the most high God displayed in human form. But look at what he says here. He says, we suddenly realize that we're looking into a mirror. Oh my God. Y'all better catch what I just said. He said the days of window shopping are over. We don't just say, oh, Jesus lied. Oh man, that's amazing what Jesus did. Oh, Jesus was so amazing. He said, we don't live like that anymore. He said, but instead we gaze with wonder at the likeness of the most high God in human form. And we suddenly realize that we're looking into a mirror where every feature of their image articulated in the Lord is reflected in us. We recognize that everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus is, that's me. Oh, I pray y'all got that. He said the days of window shopping are over. You no longer have to look at the word and, and from the from the perspective of a spectator going, man, Jesus is so amazing. I wish I could do that. But instead, you start to look at him and realize that he is the most high displayed in human form and realize that that's who I am. I am the most high displayed in human form. I am the very likeness, the very image of God displayed in human form. Because the very spirit of God dwells within me. And every feature of his image that was articulated in Jesus is reflected in me. He says, the spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. He said, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to transform your mind so that you can see this. He says, we are led from an inferior mindset to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity. See, that is what reconciliation is all about. It is the changing of that mindset so that you can see yourself as God sees you. You can have that original mindset that he gave you from the beginning so that you recognize your original worth and you can operate the way God intended for you to originally be operating. He says from the fading glory of our own achievement, to the discovery of the most amazing reality that we are God's glory. See, so you can get out of this mindset that what you do means something, but recognizing that it's not even about who you are, but about who he created you to be and that you are the display of his glory. See, see the enemy has you so lost in your, in this, in this 
distorted identity that you think that it's all about what degrees you have, about what skills you have, what, what, what reputation you have. He said, but if you don't even realize who you are, you're not about this person that you see in this natural mirror. You are the person that he made you in this spiritual mirror and you are the reflection of Christ. And if you ever realize that all this stuff that you think you did, as Paul said, it would become dumb. It would be a bunch of crap. You wouldn't give a crap about it because you would recognize that it's not about any of that. It's about who I am in Christ that gives God the glory. Watch this. See, this is the fulfillment of what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. He said, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. That's why the Bible says the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God so that they can all see it together when the glory of God is revealed. See, the purpose of the word was to reveal who we are, to act as a mirror, to reflect to us this message which is Christ in you. See, the only reason Jesus came was to show you who you are, to reveal and redeem the image and likeness of God in human form. The problem is too many of us are still distracted by our human experiences and the lies of the devil. I told you, we read the Bible and we stand in awe of Jesus and all that he does, but we fail to realize that he's simply a reflection of who we are, the spirit of God wrapped in human flesh. We see Christ and the word of God from the position of a spectator. We're still window shopping. And by being a spectator, we underestimate ourselves. We draw an inferior conclusion of who we really are. Oh, let me help you see this. Go over to James chapter one. James chapter one. Oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to break somebody out of this thing today. I'm trying to break somebody out of this spirit of medi mediocrity today, because I'm telling you, God is trying to take the church to an entirely different plane because we are in the last days and it's time for the church to actually be the church that God created. The called out ecclesia that he created for us to start having the impact and influence in the earth that God designed us to have. James chapter one, look at verse 23. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. See, he says, if you read the word, but then you can't operate in it. It's like observing your, your, your natural face in a mirror. He said, but you observe yourself and then goes away and immediately forgets what you saw. He said, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. The one who will be blessed in what he does. The mirror Bible puts it this way. I'm telling you, it's going to bless your life. Look at verse 23. He says, anyone who hears the word sees the face of their birth as in a mirror. I told you we were born of the incorruptible seed which is the word of God. So when we read the word, we should see the source from which we came, the womb from which we were given birth. He says the difference between a mere spectator is that, and a participator is that both of them hear the same voice and perceive in its message, the face of their own Genesis reflected there. Uh, we, we, we know that the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we hear the word, we should hear the very voice of God. We should see the very image and face of Jesus Christ himself. But furthermore, we should see ourselves because the Bible says as Jesus is, so are we in this world. As a matter of fact, look at verse 24. He says, they realize that they are looking at themselves. 
But for the one, it seems too good to be true. This person departs back to the old way of seeing themselves. And it immediately forgets what manner of person they are, never giving another thought to the one they saw in the mirror. See, this, this, this right here explains why year after year, you see people go to conferences, you see them listening to sermons, you see them in services, you see them shout, you see them run around, but their life never changes. See, because they're seeing and hearing the word as a spectator. See, they both hear it. They hear the same voice. They perceive in the message, the face of their own Genesis reflected. They hear God. They realize that they're, that, that it's talking about them. But for a spectator, they think it's too good to be true. So they depart back to their old way of seeing themselves. That's why every year you hear people say, oh, yeah, this is the year. This is the year of, of this. This is the year of that. This is the year of this. This is the year of that. And they get excited and they talk about it, but you never see them change. Because they're just spectators. But if you're a participator, you hear these things. You see the things that the word says. When you see something that the word says about you and you get revelation that you didn't have before, your life can no longer be the same. Why? Because of verse 25. He says the other is mesmerized by what they see captivated by the effect of the law that frees them from the obligation to the old written code that restricted them to their own efforts and willpower. See, because when you hear God's voice and you see yourself in the scripture as a participator, you are mesmerized and captivated by the effect of the law that frees you from the obligation to that old written code. You are mesmerized and captivated by that law of faith that if I just trust and believe what God said, the effect of that law, that law of faith frees me from the obligation of that old written code that restricted me to my own efforts and willpower. See, when I hear God say something and see myself in the word, it tells me it's no longer about me because what God said overrides everything I thought, everything I felt, everything that I experienced. I'm now free to live above my condition because of what God said, because of who he said I am. Oh, you got to hear this. See, when God says I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the borrower. I don't care what my credit report says. See, because it now frees me to live above that. Now, does that mean I just instantly get out of debt? If that's what God desires, he's able to do that because God can cancel debt. But what it does free me to do is that I don't have to worry about my efforts. I don't have to make more money. I don't have to do these things. All I have to do is continue to trust God and follow his instructions. I have to remain focused on my purpose and my purpose is to live and be who God said I am, to represent him and to give him glory. So even in the midst of a situation that does not look like God, I trust God. I thank God. I praise God and I obey God. Watch this. Uh, Y'all remember in the scriptures where he talks about uh, uh, that, that church. He says, he said that they gave even beyond their ability. Why? Because that's what God told them to do. They glorified God. Beyond their condition. Why? Because when they heard the word, they heard this voice, they saw themselves in it. And they just followed instructions. 
because they knew that that law, that law of faith freed them from the obligation to live by their own efforts and willpower. Whew. Look what he says. He says, no distraction or contradiction can dim the impact of what is seen in the mirror concerning the perfect law, the perfect liberty, the law of faith, the law of perfect liberty, the law of faith that now frees one to get on with the act of living the life of their original design. See that law of faith frees me to get on with the act of living the life of my original design. See by faith, I can live above the pain that I feel. I can live above the poverty may, I may exist in. I can live beyond the conflicts and the turmoil that I go through by faith, because I know that I am not determined by my life experience. I'm not determined by my situation. I'm not determined by my circumstance. I'm determined by God's word, what he says about me. And when I look into the mirror of the word, I am who I see in here, not who I see out here. And who I see in here gives me the ability to walk above everything that I see out here. People say, oh, I don't know about that. Didn't Jesus do it? Mm. Oh yeah. That's what allowed Jesus to live supernaturally above the level of natural. Because regardless of what he experienced, regardless of what he said, he trusted what his father said. And as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Look what he says. He said they find a new spontaneous lifestyle. The new poetry of practical living. Oh my goodness. See, that perfect law of liberty is the image and likeness of God revealed in Christ. It's what reminds us of who we really are. The image of God made manifest. And when we behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, we cannot help but discover that we are his glory and begin to glorify him. See, the purpose for which we were reconciled But first, we got to get a revelation of our reconciliation. We must begin to see what God has always known to be true about us in Christ and believe what he believes about us. You got to get a revelation of your reconciliation. You've got to understand how valuable you are to God that he was willing to exchange his son as an equivalent value, not to buy you back, but to restore you to your original mentality and in the identity that you would see yourself as he sees you so that you can live as he originally intended you to live so that you can represent him and teach others to do so as well. But first you got to be able to see who he is. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can no longer believe the lie that God is some ogre out to get you. You can't doubt his word. If it says it's in the Bible, if God said it, that settles it. See, because if you doubt God's word, then it will destroy your identity. You'll never believe you are who he says you are if you don't believe everything else he says. Because your identity is based, founded in his word. If you don't believe you can have what he says you already, what he's already said you've been given. 
if you don't believe that he gave you Christ, that he gave up his only son for you, that he was willing to give up his son to restore you to your rightful place. But instead you believe that he's out to get you and he wants to send you to hell. Then you'll never have a reference point to restore your identity because you'll never know who he is. You'll never know who you are. You've got to get a revelation of your reconciliation. And if you want to walk into that today, the first step is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So you got reconciled. He redeemed you. He exchanged equal value. He was willing to give up his son just so you would be restored so that you would understand your value. He took him who knew no sin to become sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God. The Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you could be saved. It's just that simple. You've got to be willing to, by your own will, give Jesus lordship over your life. And then, as an act of faith, you have to truly believe that God loved you enough to give up his son to restore you. If you can do those two things, then you can receive salvation, healing, deliverance, salvation, protection, provision, all of the benefits that he made available for you on Calvary by giving up his life. Everything contained in him, you can have. And if you desire that, pray this prayer with me. Precious God, I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe you love me enough to give up your son to restore me to my rightful place. And I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me. Make me your son. Be my father. Teach me how to live for you. If you've prayed that prayer, you're now part of the body of Christ, the family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your journey is to find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, a place that will help you grow in your walk with Christ, teach you how to walk this thing out. And if you desire that, just follow the instructions on the screen. Go to our website, lovemychurch.org, click contact us, fill out a connection card. And one of our ministers will get back to you. We are a virtual ministry, but we have all the components necessary to help you with your walk with Christ. We have virtual study groups. We have ministers available who will pray with you. We can connect you with people in your area that will walk alongside you and fellowship with you. Whatever you need, you just let us know and we will help you with that. But we want to make sure that you're growing in the Lord and we just want to celebrate with you. So if you receive Christ today or you're looking for a church home, make sure you contact us and let us know. Secondly, if you've been blessed by this ministry or you desire to invest in the kingdom of God, sow a financial seed. You can use cash app dollar sign my church Lynchburg, paypal.me forward slash my church Lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. But however you decide to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to do the work that God's called us to do, to make sure that the gospel is available all over the world. We're on just about every platform there is. We're not just a church. We're a faith-based streaming platform having an impact on media, arts, and entertainment all over the world. And this is not a small ministry endeavor that we have. That's not a small assignment that our ministry has been given. So if you just want to encourage us, you want to support us, you want to invest in what God is doing in the kingdom 
through the My Church channel or My Church ministry. You can sow today. You can use Cash App, Dollar Sign, My Church Lynchburg, PayPal.me forward slash My Church Lynchburg, or use the Givelify app. But whatever you decide to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to do what God's called us to do. Thirdly, if you have been blessed by this message or you know somebody else who needs it, make sure that you share this message with them. Matter of fact, just make sure you share it with at least three people because God has called us to expand his kingdom, to have influence and impact wherever we go. And you know somebody who needs the word of God. So make sure you make a commitment to do that today on whatever platform you're watching. Just send them the link. Just send them the information, how to watch these messages. But God bless you today. We love you. God bless you. Make sure you come back and watch with us again on next time. See you soon. I'm Pastor Tuck. Thank you for watching the word at my church. Please stay tuned for our announcements. At my church, we help people get better by teaching them how the word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Firestick, or Apple TV, or visit mychurchchannel.org. You can also download the My Church on the Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word at My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or simply download the Word at My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.